Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Colossians 2, 6 through 15. The passage will be on the screen for you. Or if you like, please turn to Colossians in your Bible. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in him, who is the head of every ruler and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision, by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ, When you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him, when he forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in it. Thank you, Sam. That's the word of the Lord for us today. Well, we are, we are continuing um, our uh, series through the book of Colossians. And we said that uh, the book of Colossians, Paul is super thankful for these Christians that are living uh, in Colossae. Col- Col- I can never say it right. So we're just going to call them the Colossians. Um, and he's, he's thankful for them because God is at work within them, in their community, in the same way that God is at work all around the world. Um, and and unlike, unlike the letters that go to uh, the churches in the book of Revelation that we studied before, um, Paul is pretty, pretty pleased with this congregation, though he is warning them to be careful about, uh, well, where they are finding their rootedness. Uh, he, he understands and knows that they are, they are solid and faithful in their, in their practice of their faith by loving God and loving each other. And, and he wants them to remain rooted in that. We kind of talked about that a little bit uh, last week. Well, he, he kind of touches on some of those same things um, as we get into this week. And uh, there's going to be a couple of metaphors that Paul kind of strings together. And I, I think... Uh, one of the things that's really hard for me sometimes is to, to not um, compartmentalize what's happening in one particular section to another, right? I, I read maybe just these sections of verses by themselves, and I think I, I got it. And then it's only when I go back and read it within the whole flow of what's being uh, written that I understand it a, a little bit more. And so I, I hope that um, we'll take these things that may seem disconnected and connect them together in, in a way that helps us understand not just who Jesus is, but what Jesus' death on the cross accomplishes and how that happens. Um, and, and so we'll, we'll get there. And uh, uh, a couple of things first, though. We started in verse 6, and uh, yeah, here we go. 
As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, there's two things I want to point out right here with, with these two verses. And one of them I did not, I did not consider until this morning's Bible study. Um, I, I love sometimes we, we have conversations and uh, we have conversations that take me in a different direction than, than what I get so fixated on in preparing from week to week. Uh, we'll get to, that's the second thing. The first thing is you'll notice the repeated use of in him. Uh, continue to live your lives in him, built up in him uh, in the faith. Uh, Paul will use this kind of language all of the time. He understands that who we are as people, as followers of Christ, means that we are, we are connected with Jesus in a significant way. Uh, that we are no longer just ourselves floating around the world doing whatever, but we are, we are in and with Christ in a, in a way that I, that I don't have an analogy for. Uh, but it's there, and it's all over Paul. I once sat in a lecture where the professor went over all of the prepositions, like in all of Paul's letters, like in and with, in, in Greek. And surprisingly, it, it wasn't awful. Um, but I got to, I got to, so it's all there. Just trust me that I got to take him, help take him back to his hotel, uh, after that. And I, I asked him, I was like, did you look up all of those? He's like, yeah. He's like, was that incredibly tedious and boring? And he was like, yes. (laughs) But he was so passionate about it when he presented it. Like we are bound together with Christ. Um, Maybe, and it's, it's incomprehensible to be anyway, but that begins in our baptism. Uh, it begins as we, as we go under the water, as we did a couple weeks ago with Micah, as we pour the water. She is with and in Christ. We're established in that. Uh, the second thing is the connection maybe with um, Thanksgiving and everything we talked about last week. Uh, last week we talked about how... Um, Paul is confessing that Jesus is the creator and the sustainer and, uh, of everything. That, that Christ is supreme in a way that, that, well, we just find it hard to imagine. And, and that because of Christ's supremacy, that, that everything we have is a gift from God. And we pray that every week, or we, we should. At least I like to. It's one of the things that we used to do a lot of times when we were actually taking the, uh, taking the offering, passing the offering plate. And I think that, that when we begin to realize and confess that Jesus is giving us all of these good things, all of that we have, um, that we begin to live our lives more fully with a spirit of thankfulness. And that thankfulness changes who we are. It changes our disposition. It makes and allows the world to understand us for what God is doing in us and through us and not for what we are against. Does that make sense? Because if I am thankful for all that God has given me, even in the suffering, even in the bad times, I have things to be thankful for. Um, so I, I think this is, this is all, all uh, tied together. That was just a... a uh, insight that I had this morning, well, actually, somebody else had it, and we, we kind of went, went for it. 
Paul goes on, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. Um, and this is almost a repeat of the argument that that's, he's already made, except that we've got these troubling things like through philosophy and empty deceit and this really enigmatic statement, the elemental spirits of the universe. And like that sounds really scary and really big, but I, I think we decided um, well, in the Bible study, I think I, I looked at this part, the whole through philosophy and empty deceit, um, from a perspective that, Maybe I shouldn't have. Um, Paul isn't knocking knowledge or using our brain in a significant way. Um, Paul is helping and encouraging the Colossians not to put their faith and their trust in ideas that are not themselves rooted in Christ. And and I, I think that we ask ourselves, is this idea rooted in Christ? If we can ask of it, does this thing help me love God more? Does this idea help me love God more? Does this idea help me to love my neighbor in the same way that Christ has loved me? Does it help me live a life of thankfulness and joy for the abundance that God has given to us? Does this allow us to love in, in a Christ-like way? Paul, I think, is, is encouraging the Colossians to make sure to filter all of the things that people might be saying to them all of the philosophies and and ways of living that might come to them through that filter of thankfulness and love. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to the fullness in him who who is the head and ruler of of every ruler and authority. Um, Paul then turns, and and this is going to get tricky, I think, and hopefully that I can communicate to you in a way that understands and doesn't bore you to death. Because Paul's about to get into several metaphors that are important, but that kind of take off for this. For in him, the fullness of the deity dwells bodily. Uh, in other words, it would be, in the beginning was the word, and the word was, was God, and the word was with God, and the word became man. That's my rough paraphrase of John 1. Um, that, that Jesus becomes fully human, and there is something about that fully humanness that, that allows Christ to, well, to redeem and to restore all of us. To redeem and restore us in our physical bodies, not just our spirits or whatever. Um, somebody put it like this, that Jesus takes on all of the sinful, all of the sinfulness that, that's inherent in humanity and wears it in the same way that we might wear our clothing. Like that, that's the body of Christ is all of sinful humanity. Uh, I'm not saying wear it like that he's not actually human, but because, you know, we had heresies last week. Uh, anyway, so he's, he is fully taking on all of all of the sinfulness of humanity. And this, this helps us, I think, um, understand what's coming forth. Uh, in him, also, you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision, putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ. Okay, so this is, this is the first one. And, and I know this may make you uncomfortable. 
but it's a, it's a, circumcision was a, a physical bodily reminder of who the nation of Israel was. It, it, it marked them as the people of God. And so Paul's taking that image that, that uh, would have been super, con, uh, super, what's the word I'm looking for? Familiar. There you go. Super familiar with, with his audience. And saying that, that what has happened to us since we are in and with Christ is that we have, through our baptism, had our sinfulness cut away. Uh, that Christ works in us, uh, beginning to remove all of, all of that sinfulness. That we have been, well, we have been circumcised with Christ. I, that sounds really weird. I, I realize that. Uh, and this is the next metaphor. When you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through the faith in the power of God who has raised him from the dead. So again, he's, he's talking about um, completely identifying with Christ. Uh, that we died with him in our baptism and that we have been brought from death to life. This makes sense in my head. I hope it does for you. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Buried with him in baptism, we were also raised with him through faith in the power of God. Uh, Baptism, we talk about this all the time. Um, But it is this image of us dying. So these are all kind of redundant in a way, uh, that we are having what was old and sinful on us, in us be removed because Christ has defeated uh, sin and death. And we go on. And when you were dead in, in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he forgave, all, uh, forgave us all of our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing over them. Um, so we were dead, and we are alive. That's, that's part of what all of this is. Um, I was focused then on the, uh, the second part of that, when he forgave all of our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demand. Uh, there's a lot of theories out there on how Jesus' death provides our salvation. And, and there's one particular theory that, that says that uh, we have this sin debt that we owe, and Christ uh, pays the price for that, that debt of sin. Um, and that's not wrong, but it's not the image that Paul is dealing with right here. Um, what happens when you take out a loan? Uh, you, you get some kind of paper trail that says, I owe this money for this car or for this house or for this thing that I bought on a whim. Uh, I owe this money to this person or to this bank, and there is a record. And there is a legal obligation for us to pay back that debt. What Paul is saying here is not necessarily that Jesus pays the debt, but that he destroys it entirely. It is as if somebody went into the bank and erased all of their records, and there was never a record of the amount of money that you owed to that bank. He ripped it up. 
uh, Josh reminded me that this sounds a lot like, he didn't know it, he, was, he didn't know he was reminding me of this, but this sounds a lot like the year of Jubilee in Israel's history. It was, it was a, a year, at, like every 49 or 50 years, I can't remember, that they were supposed to give back all the land that they had bought or, or took in, uh, in payment. Uh, all of the debts were to be relieved and, and prisoners were to be set free and slaves were to be set free. And uh, it was just a giant reset button. Uh, its intention was so that, that Israel could continue to live in right relatedness with each other so that, that people wouldn't dominate each other forever. And I think this is what Christ is doing for us. In, it's what Paul is demonstrating for us. That the record of our sinfulness, our sinfulness which kept us from living in faithfulness to God and to those people around us. God takes that uh, and he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. Um, he destroys it. The record of our sinfulness is gone so that you and I might continue to live like Christ in our world. We are with and in Christ so that, for our salvation, yes, but so that we can be the people of God here and now. That we can be the people uh, that share the love of Jesus with all of our friends who, in the same way that we have been forgiven, offer forgiveness and grace. That we might live in abundant thankfulness for all of the, all of the things that we have. He rounds out this section. He says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them triumphing over them. Lest you think, lest you think that that salvation is uh, just for me individually. Part of what, well, part of what Jesus is talking about here, uh, and the language in the original has more to do with uh, like stripping off the clothes. Uh, Like revealing something for what it really is. Christ's sacrifice, his death on the cross, doesn't just erase our debt, destroy it. It doesn't just bring about us personal salvation, but it goes to the rulers and authorities of the world, the things that call us into a life of sinfulness and death. Uh, The things that subjugate people uh, through all sorts of things. And he pulls back the curtain, exposing them for what they are, Uh, agents of sin and death. Does that make any sense? I I think you and I, part of what Christ is doing with us and in us as we are with Christ, is that Christ is helping us to see in the world where sin and death comes from. That, uh, that in, our, in our work as the people of God, we can begin to say, it, it isn't just, like, my sin isn't just caused by me, but there are systems and things at play within the world that, that seek to ensnare and enslave people. And Christ has and is continuing to tear down the facade so that we can see those things, so that we might participate in, in the restoration and healing 
for those folks too. Does that make any kinds of sense? Okay. Sorry about that. So the question I think I, I want us to ask today um, is, uh, are, we, are we in and with Christ in a significant way? Have we, have we allowed ourselves to be bound together with Christ through our baptism? Now, I asked you a couple weeks ago to remember your baptism, and I ask you to do that every single time that we have a baptism, and I probably should ask you to remember your baptism every single Sunday as we receive the Lord's Supper. Because it is a reminder of our being united with Christ in a significant way, in a way that we can't articulate. Um, It is what binds us to the work that Christ has done in stripping away our old flesh, our old sinfulness. This will become uh, more important in the next chapter when he stops talking about taking things off and putting things on. Uh, am, am I living with abundant thankfulness for all that God has given me in Christ so that I might love the world around me? Do, do I remember my baptism and what that binds me to? God's liberating work in the world. Um, I think Paul's hard. That's what I think. Um, I think, though, in this last part, too, that, that we forget that Christ not only created everything, and we should live in that thankfulness, but we forget that Christ is winning like the whole thing. And that the, the principalities and the powers that are in the world, Christ is unveiled and unmasked and he will ultimately defeat them so that the world might be good and right and restored again. And that our salvation is always a part of that continued work of restoration. We're gonna, uh, well, let's pray actually. Dear Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us uh, we thank you for uh, your grace, which is uh, significant and wonderful, and it's, well, it, it does more than just match our own sinfulness, but it destroys it, erases the, the record of our wrongfulness. Um, Lord, as we, as we come to the table today, Help us to um, examine ourselves. Are we living in and with Christ? Have we remembered our baptism? Are we allowing Christ to continue to cut away the things in us that are harmful and sinful? Lord, we, uh, we ask those questions and because we know that, that if we are to be the people that you are calling us to be, if we're going to have the strength to go into our world, to live in abundant thankfulness, then we need to have you do that work in our lives. Lord, as uh, 
individuals and as the church. Uh, We ask that you would help us uh, remember our baptism. To remember your love and your sacrifice so that we might, well, as we'll read in a second, be for the world the body of Christ, uh, broken. As we come forward in a moment, help us uh, to do so, hoping that this meal will nourish us uh, and sustain us as we go back into our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit TakeItToTheHeart.com.